So the question is this, how can entrepreneurs like us remain profitable while having a lean physique, optimal focus, and incredible relationships? That's the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is Nate Palmer, and welcome to The Million Dollar Body. Welcome back to another episode of the Million Dollar Body Podcast. We're doing a quick, quick hit Q&A today. I'm your host, Coach Nate. So if you are here, you're probably a high performer, someone looking for a massive advantage in life using fitness and nutrition as force multipliers. Today, we have some amazing questions I want to go through. I want to start off with a question from Glenn. He says, can you give us a breakdown of the types of dietary fats and let us know which are really bad, which are not good or bad, and which are recommended in our daily diet? So basically, this is we break down fats into basically three categories. Number one is unsaturated fats. And unsaturated fats can be broken down even further into polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats. These are what we consider, or a lot of people consider good fats, okay? Keep in mind that no matter what, if it's a monounsaturated, if it's a polyunsaturated, if it's a saturated, if it's a trans fat, every gram of fat has nine calories per gram. So even if you're eating, eating really healthy, like, uh, like olives and avocados and, and almonds and things like that, um, you can still overeat those calories a lot easier than you can overeat like a chicken breast. So keep that in mind. So two types of, of the unsaturated fats, monounsaturated fats are found basically in olives, peanuts, canola oils, avocados, almonds, hazelnuts, pecans, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. So just for example, polyunsaturated fats are found in high concentrations in um, walnuts, flax seeds, fish, um, even like uh, flaxseed oils, or corn oils, sunflower oils, things like that. O- Omega-3s fall into the, uh, the polyunsaturated fat, which makes them, uh, which are something that our bodies cannot produce. We want to have basically a two to one omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, but it's crazy. The, um, the standard American diet is, in, is flipped. So there's much more omega-6s than omega-3s and not a one to two, but like a 10 to one omega-6 to omega-3. Omega-6s cause more inflammation. They can be negative for us. So we want to make sure that like in just increasing the polyunsaturated fats through having some more like uh, honestly fish more often is one easy way to get that in. Okay. So try and have fish at least twice a week. That'd be a great way to do that. So um, especially like because higher omega-3 fats are associated with lower risks of premature deaths, um, heart disease, different uh, issues that come from like from inflammation. So that, that being said, don't stress about the difference between mono and polyunsaturated fats. Just know that unsaturated fats are generally going to be a great choice for you. Keep at it. Okay. Now let's get into the other two saturated fats, which some people have, have thought um, are negative, but we have recently seen that saturated fats aren't inherently negative or inherently bad for you. Um, but we do need to limit those a little bit more. So, I mean, healthy foods like chicken, steak, pork, they all have amounts of saturated fat. Most of the time, saturated fats are like animal fats. You can find a lot in uh, saturated fats in cheese, ice cream, butter, coconut oil, uh, palm oil. Um, and like the FDA, which, you know, take it or leave it, they recommend getting less than 10% of your calories each day from saturated fats. Um, American Heart Association says less than 7%. Um, but if you don't, if you're gonna cut back on saturated fats, you wanna to wanna to replace it with the, uh, the unsaturated fats. Don't just get rid of it because there are some benefits to hormones from having a, getting the right amount of fats. So if you're getting it from saturated fats or unsaturated fats, it's still gonna have benefits to your hormones, to your sleep cycles, th- different things like that. 
Um, you can, however, cut back on pizza, cheese, butter, dairy desserts, um, some processed meat products, sausage, bacon, uh, hamburgers, things like that. And then um, baked goods. I have a lot. Have, we'll have a lot of saturated fats in them from the butter. So um, there was a paper that came out in 2014 that was like, it said heart like saturated fats was extremely linked to heart disease, but the uh, nutrition experts came out and deter determined that that paper was very misleading. And so they, it wasn't, it's not necessarily that saturated fats is connected to heart disease. It's just kind of overconsumption of saturated fats on a ongoing basis. So this is another reason why putting butter in your coffee is stupid. Don't do that. Okay. It's just not, there's just no point to like going out of your way to add additional saturated fats to your diet. It's, un, uh, it's just not necessary. And then we come to the last one, trans fats. Trans fatty acids are made by heating up liquid vegetable oils in the presence of hydrogen gas. And then it, and like, that's a product, uh, a process called hydrogenation. So you'll see this a lot on, on oils where it says like partially hydrogenated vegetable oils. And the reason that companies do this is because it makes those oils more stable, less likely to become rancid and makes them, um, can, will make them function as a, as a solid. So like that's what you see in like margin, margarine or shortening. Uh, they, they partially hydrogenate oils also can withstand repeated heating and cooling without breaking down, which is great if you are literally making a bunch of fast foods, cooking fries, frying things up. Um, but these are extremely negative for your health. Okay, we do not want to have any trans fats. Um, there's been some legislation that's come down that has limited the amount of trans fats you can put in things. Most companies, if they don't have trans fats in their foods, will put it on the label just to let you know, hey, no trans fats in this. Doesn't mean that it's healthy, just means that there's no, there's no, uh, no trans fats. So we want to make sure that we, uh, that we limit these as much as possible because they are the worst type of fat for your heart, for your blood vessels, for the rest of your body. They create uh, tons of inflammation. They contribute to insulin resistance. They raise your bad LDL cholesterol and lower HDL, the good type of cholesterol. And they can be harmful even in small amounts. So really limit, limit those. Um, Try to cut, try to get trans fats to zero, saturated fats pretty low, and then um, mono and polyunsaturated fats a little bit higher. Okay. Don't stress about having coconut oil, beef, products like that. Like just try to not have butter in your coffee is a pretty good way to, to keep your saturated fats lower. Okay. So that's the question about fat. Um, the next question I thought was awesome also is like, there's a, Glenn had also asked various types of protein out there that are confusing. Can you break down the difference between a concentrate and isolate and a hydrolysate? And what types of protein are best uh, best to use? So um, we, he, he missed one aspect, but I was, so I wanted before we talk about the types of protein, I wanna talk about where does protein powder come from? A lot of people don't know this. Protein powder is, is like, uh, comes from milk. Basically it always comes from milk. Milk contains two types of protein, whey protein and casein protein. Um, whey protein makes up about 20% of the protein found in milk and casein protein makes up the other 80% of protein found in milk. Um, casein protein is used to make cheese, so whey becomes the byproduct of the cheese making process. So all that protein powder that you're getting, that chocolate peanut butter, that is a byproduct of making cheese. So companies like Glambia are like giant cheese producers. They're the number one protein powder producers in the world. So that's kind of crazy. But whey protein, y'all, is a super, super high quality protein packed with, with amino acids. All protein is packed with amino acids, but whey protein has just a higher concentration, easier to digest, 
and is extremely inexpensive for the amount of the amount of protein and calories in it. Okay, so let's talk about concentrate, isolate, and hydrolysate first, and then we'll get back to the casein. So whey concentrate is basically the first level of of and most basic form of whey. Okay, it's that's why it's generally the cheapest as well. It also comes with the more carbohydrates, sugar, fat, and cholesterol in it as well. So it's still got high protein, but if you have maybe a lactose intolerance, or you're like, no, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a more of a pure protein, whey protein concentrate is probably not the best bet. Um, if you're looking for something with what's less expensive, has some more carbs, you don't mind if it has carbs and, and fats in it, it's, it can be a great option, okay? It's just the least amount, like it's just less processed. Now to get to isolate, this is where you actually have to take you have to take a concentrate and further process it. So it's a little bit more expensive, but it delivers more protein with, sometimes it can even be like carb and fat free. So like I, I one right now that has, I think uh, zero grams of fat and one gram of carbs per scoop with 25 grams of protein. It's uh, also, that makes it easier to digest for people with lactose sensitivity. So if you're on a strict diet, if you have a lactose intolerance or sensitivity, a whey protein isolate can be a great choice for you. Okay, it's just a further processed, version of the whey protein concentrate. And then the hydrolysate, hydro-L-Y-S-A-T-E, hydro, hydrolysate. Um, what is that? So that is, is the priciest, most expensive, most processed version of whey protein. That's because they take whey protein isolate and they break it down even further with enzymes or acids to basically to the point where people are like, hey, this is, it's pre-digested nutrition. So they take the like if they're taking a, like a piece of amino acid like this, they're actually breaking it down into smaller chunks to make it easier for your body to digest and absorb than even the whey protein concentrate. Is this important for most of us? Eh, not really. It breaks down really fast, and so it can be a good fit for post workout. But I think between whey protein isolate, whey protein hydrolysate, like you don't need one over the other at that point. We're just kind of majoring in the minors and maybe missing the forest for the trees. If you have if you don't mind paying a little bit like a premium, you want a fast digesting protein, something that's going to break down really well, grab a hydrolysate. If you're like, hey, I want the highest quality thing, grab a hydrolysate. Other than that, it's not necessary. A whey protein isolate is pretty inexpensive, gets the job done. That's my go-to generally, okay? And I can put a link in the comments uh, or in the show notes of uh, the type that, I, that I've been using recently. Um, the last thing is, is casein, casein protein. And casein protein is interesting because it is the whole other like side of protein. And most of the time we don't see a lot of casein protein because that's actually used in the cheese making process. So it's not, it's not even used in, um, it's not even used in like, it doesn't get turned into uh, supplements quite as often. However, you can still find it. Um, most of the time casein protein, the people will tout like, this is a good protein because it digests slower. Whey protein isolate digests faster, great for post-workout. So bodybuilders have been using casein protein as a way of, of getting slower releasing amino acids, slower digestion, which makes it a good protein to take at night if you want to continue to, continue to um, build muscle, digest your protein, have like a slow drip of amino acids all night long. Um, not necessarily like that important though. So like an easy way to, to get a slow digesting uh, protein would just be to add a little bit of a fat to your protein in the evening. So like having like a little bit of peanut butter with your, with your protein shake will give you similar results because it's going to slow digestion as well. The reason that, uh, that, when, that it slows digestion is because when, uh, 
when casein protein hits your stomach acids, it basically turns into curds, which make it harder for harder to break down. So same, like basically the same process as they use in the cheese making process. So I would say, generally speaking, stay with the whey protein isolate. It's the easiest and fastest. If you want the highest quality thing, go with the hydrolysate. If you're looking for ways of getting more protein in your life and you just can't get enough of it, then add a casein in at night. But I think that's pretty, that's, that's unnecessary. And I don't like having two or three different types of protein. I just stick with the one and then ch and just add either carbs with it to speed digestion, uh, fats with it to slow digestion. Easiest way to do that. The next, the next question we got was, um, was someone who said, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a nurse at a hospital and telling him about eating carbs only at night as per the glycogen priming method or the million dollar body method. Um, he said, this is completely opposite of what they teach diabetic patients. They tell them to avoid carbs at night. So why is that like, what, why do we like, why would glycogen priming talk about something completely opposite of what they teach diabetic patients? And then also like, how does it relate to how we grew up learning how we should eat? And like, and uh, kind of just like, is this even a, a viable option for diabetics? So a couple, couple thoughts on this is number one, like diabetics are unhealthy. They, have, they are an unhealthy population, you know? And like, maybe you're, you have a type one, that's a more, like, that's a, that's a different story. I'm not well-versed in how to deal with type one diabetics. So for the sake of, for the sake of this conversation, we're gonna be talking about type two diabetics, okay? And type two diabetics, is like adult onset and generally caused by lifestyle choices. So if you have type two diabetes, you don't, you're not healthy. You have, you have a dysfunction that needs to be addressed using probably some sort of medical care. Um, ideally you'd be eating really healthy foods, uh, monitoring your carbs and your, so, and your insulin, your blood sugar levels and following up with a medical professional of which I am not. So take this with a grain of salt. If you have diabetes, go talk to your doctor. Do not listen to, don't listen to me until you have that conversation with your own doctor. That being said, if you don't wanna give a healthy person and an unhealthy person the exact same, the exact same recommendations, okay? So like if you have diabetes, you need to be monitoring your blood sugar, monitoring your insulin. You need to have a steady stream of that. And then if you're eating a big meal of carbs at night, you might wake up in the morning with higher blood sugar, which is not what you want, okay? Now, that being said, if, you are, if you're healthy or even like pre-diabetic, not quite to the point where you need to like monitor those sorts of things, we want to start teaching your body how to burn more fat during the day and uh, use carbohydrates for recovery at night, okay? So the glycogen priming method is, is an amazing fit for someone who's looking to lose basically 30 to 40 pounds, get some, decrease their visceral fat, get their waistline measurement down and get them into a healthy place. Once you get to the point where we call it phase three in, in uh, the million dollar body method, once you get to the point where you have a healthy waist to height ratio. You don't have visceral fat and creating inflammation. Your body's handling carbohydrates really well. We don't need to be eating 100% of our carbs in the evening. We can, we can space them out throughout the day. But until that point, this is the fastest way to work with your body's natural biorhythms and, and biochemical reactions to have a ton of energy, burn a lot of fat during the day, and uh, get rest and recovery at night. So Simply the answer to this question is like, you don't need to do what diabetic patients need to do. You need to do something a little bit different. And um, that, like she followed this up with a question about, and I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, um, have a big family reunion, going out to a, meet, with a, meet with a family and friends. And I'm sure lots of my family will question the new quote unquote diet that she's on. Um, 
how do you explain glycogen priming method in an easy way to someone who's never heard of it before to where it would make sense? So that's kind of, re this really piggybacks well on that first question. So like, why, why glycogen priming? What does it, what does it mean? And how come this is not just another fad diet? You know? So the great questions, the easiest, most simple way to explain, explain glycogen priming or the million dollar body method to someone who's never heard of it before is to simply say that this is a style of eating that helps you work with your body's natural biorhythms and energy cycles throughout the day to create a fat burning effect all day long while keeping you focused and energized. And then switching gears in the evening to switch into rest and digest mode to help your body repair, recover, and rebuild from the day and sleep super deeply. So you wake up with a ton of energy during the day, the next day. So basically we want to be, we are coming alongside our body and communicate and, and basically communicating, Hey, I want you to have energy when you need energy. And we're going to get that energy from fat. And then when you're ready to, to turn down to like to feast, to recover, to rebuild, to like to sort of go into a more of a rest and digest mode, we're going to give you the right foods at that time as well. So often the standard American diet like is completely counter to our body's natural biorhythms. For example, the normal American breakfast, you see this on like, uh, if you watch kids cartoons at all, it's like part of a, part of a, uh, what are they, what's the exact word? All part of a natural breakfast or all part of a, I don't know, healthy breakfast. I, I forget what they say, but then they show the cereal and milk. They show an orange juice and they show a milk. They show like a bagel or two waffles and a banana. And then, and like, they're like, this is part of a, part of a complete breakfast. Yeah, that's right all part of the complete breakfast. And you're like, no, it's not. You're giving them, you're like, if you say that a complete breakfast entails like 200 grams of carbohydrates, mostly from processed sugary sources, what you're doing right there is when your body's trying to wake up and we can tell your body's trying to wake up because what happens when you wake up is your body releases cortisol. It's a stress hormone. And the stress hormone is designed to get you up and get you rocking with your day. Just like, let's get, let's get a move on. Let's roll out. And so if we work with that, um, and we piggyback off that by having the right foods, the high proteins and high fats in the morning, we can, we can uh, keep ourselves from having a giant spike of blood sugar and a giant spike of insulin, which is going to, instead of like coasting off of that cortisol release and giving you great steady energy and satiety throughout the day, it's going to basically spike your energy and drop it really fast. And that's what the standard American breakfast does to us. So um, having like, when like, we were not designed to like wake up and eat waffles. That's not how we're built. You know, we're designed to wake up and either have a really small breakfast or have just some protein and some fats. So like, think about like, if you're eating like the leg of a goat cooked around a fire, you're going to get proteins and fats from that, from that animal protein. That's what's going to give you the fuel you need for the day. So it's not going to overwhelm you. It's not going to make you like giant spike and then drop you and make you hungry again at 1030 at noon at 230. And so it's designed in a way to communicate to your body, hey, you have what you need. Let's get through the day. Let's burn. Let's use our stored body fat as fuel, burn that off. And then when it's time to recover, repair, and rebuild, that's when we'll use carbohydrates. So basically we are like, we are training our body to get back to basics. We're, we're, we're saying, hey, I believe that our body is smarter than us. I believe that our bodies are, are smarter than the standard American diet and whatever pills, powders, and potions, fad diets that we've been led, led to believe are important. And we said, let's, let's work with our body's natural rhythms, natural fluctuations to create energy when we need it and recovery when we need it as well. 
So that's the premise of the glycogen priming method because it was born from a, a client of mine saying, hey, like I, I need energy more than I need weight loss. How do I have that during the day? So we said, hey, we need to work with your body systems, natural systems, and uh, give your body the ability to utilize stored fat. And when you give your body carbohydrates all day long, um, if you have a disordered relationship with carbohydrate, if you have insulin resistance, if you have a, um, a waist height ratio of 0 0.46, like 0.46 or higher, you do not you do not utilize fats at all after that point. You'll only be using your your consumed carbohydrates for energy. So all day long, it's like you're trying to you're trying to burn through the battery on your cell phone, right? You're trying to burn through the battery. That's your stored fats. But all day long, you're plugged into a charger, and you're like, wow, I wonder why my battery is never going down. I've been trying to get my battery to go down for the last 10 years. Well, that's because you're charging your phone. You need to unplug it from the wall, ditch that relationship with carbohydrates, that disordered relationship that we that most of us have, especially you have 30, 40, 50 pounds to lose and start teaching your body, hey, let's use battery for fuel, use stored energy, let's use our fat for fuel. And the, and the easiest, fastest, most ideal way of doing that without jumping on some crazy diet like keto or trying to take some fat burner thermogenic pills is the glycogen priming method. It's so, so simple. And I think they're like, even if you're like, yeah, 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 it just sounds like another fad bullshit diet to me. Try it, try it. Take the 28 day challenge that's in the book. You can buy, you can get this book right now. It's free on Kindle Unlimited on Amazon. You can just have it. I want you to just have it. Or you can go buy a hard copy, whatever, whatever you want. But if you don't believe it and you're like, yeah, 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 it doesn't sound like it'll work for me. Take the 28 day challenge in this book. And I guarantee you're going to see results faster and easier than you've ever seen them before. The number one thing that people tell me about glycogen priming is that, hey, it doesn't feel like a diet to me, it just feels like how I eat now. So, and then keeping in mind that this deals with phase one of the process, phase two is continuing to lose fat until you hit that correct waist height ratio. And then phase three opens up a whole new realm of possibility. So it's not like you have to only eat carbohydrates at dinner for the rest of your life on the glycogen priming method. It's just, it just until you get to the place where you have a great relationship with insulin and carbohydrates, your body can digest them and utilize them appropriately, as well as um, and like you'll, until you get your weight down where you want it to be. And once you accomplish both of those things, we can move on, start talking about carbohydrates for breakfast and lunches and how we have those and how we eat tacos all the time. And that's when it gets super, super fun. So just remember that like, don't, don't miss the, the forest for the trees. Phase one and phase two are not all there is here but they are the best fit for getting you to where you can be healthy and move forward powerfully while teaching you valuable insights about your own body. So I think this, this single book, if you just take that 28 day challenge right now, you're going to learn more about your body and your relationship with food than you ever have before. So try it out, check it out. If you don't buy into it, no problem. You give it a, either give it a shot or don't. And hopefully this has been at least a little bit clarifying um, in terms of how you would speak about this and what like and who needs uh, this program to get to get results. If you guys have any more questions on that, please let me know. Drop me an email, nate at n8trainingsystems.com. Always love to hear from you. Or make sure you jump into the group and you can put a questions in there. We're always asking. We always have a, a lot of good questions, answers, resources in the uh, Million Dollar Body group. Go to n8trainingsystems.com slash group to join us there. Hope you have an amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, I hope that episode was helpful for you. If you liked it, there are three ways that you can start activating your fat loss results right now. Number one, join the community. Go to n the number eight trainingsystems.com slash group to get in there. Grab the book. 
Go to Amazon.com and look for the Million Dollar Body Method or search for Nate Palmer. And number three, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these so we can bring on more influential guests and bring those lessons back to you here.